Well, I'm hopeful that your celebration of Christmas and the new year was a rich one. It's time to reflect on the great gift that we have received in the coming of the Christ child. I, I find it important for me to take the time within the season of kind of hustle and bustle and extra activities in uh, the life of our family to, to slow down, to mark well the uh, event of Christmas. I think I told you, and you probably get tired of hearing this from me every year, that uh, you know the, the, the 12 days of Christmas, even though Target and Walmart would have you believe that that begins around December 12th or 13th or whatever that number would be, the idea of the Feast of Christmas was that it would begin on the 25th of December and continue until January 5th, and then January 6th would be the celebration of Epiphany. And I don't, I don't really know that this is the reason why, but I suspect that part of it was that the event of Christmas could not be fully celebrated within one day. So maybe, uh, maybe your extended family was kind of like ours, and there was kind of a prolonged celebration of, uh, of, uh, of Christmas. We were able to gather with uh, Dana's mom, and uh, her extended family on uh, Christmas Eve, and then we did some stuff at our house on Christmas Day, and then we had our fam- my family uh, over uh, on the day after, and it was, it, was, it was great to be able to celebrate over a span of a couple of days. And then uh, at our house, we were working on that, that song, you know, the 12 days of Christmas, uh, my true love gave to me, and we worked on at least some folks' thoughts about what each of those gifts represents. Piper's piping. What does that have to do with it? Drummer's drumming. And uh, uh, again, it's probably speculative to some degree, but uh, there are folk who think that each number represents some element of uh, Scripture. Uh, so that was, that was uh, helpful, I think, for, for the five of us to be able to think about uh, the gifts that God has given us uh, within Scripture and especially uh, within the Lord Jesus. So my prayer for you is that this was a rich time of celebration, and as we enter into 2022, we're confident that uh, he who began the good work in us uh, will bring it to completion. So we close out this Christmas celebration with a review of the epiphany, the revelation of Jesus to the whole world. You know, there were the the shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. The insinuation is that those folk were likely Jewish. Mary and Joseph, of course, were Jewish. And then there were these folks who came from the east, completely outside of the Jewish faith, completely outside of those who uh, would uh, consider uh, Abraham to be their ancestor in the faith, who somehow were able to look at the, the, the star in the sky and determine that there was something God was up to, something that they needed to investigate further. We're going to just briefly this morning consider this great story from Matthew chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men, or magi from the east, came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, 
and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophets. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. There's a little joke I've told before, probably too often, suggesting that things might have gone better if the wise men had been three wise women. You know, the reputation of uh, men not wanting to stop and ask for directions. And uh, the thought is, well, shoot, guys, it took you, well, we think, about two years before you found where Jesus was. If, it, if you would have had a lady with you, you could have made the trip a lot shorter, right? That said, I think that, that the, the author of that little joke, I don't know that he actually re- he or she actually read the passage. After all, they, they stopped and asked Herod, where is, where is, a pretty good indication they were asking for directions, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Hmm. Great question for us to ask. This year, as we enter into this new year, as the rest of the world, maybe several weeks back, already put Christmas back in the box, so to speak, put the Christmas decorations away and and moved on to the next thing. But we pause in the church to celebrate this season of Epiphany. The celebration of Christ is the light of the whole world, including for strangers who are far away. I have just two brief thoughts I want to share this morning. The first is that the wise men came seeking. John Hopkins Jr., the name may not mean much to you, but he is the one who penned the words of the song that we opened our service with, We Three Kings. He's probably done just as much to memorialize the wise men, maybe second only to the writer of Matthew's Gospel. In it, he identifies them as three oriental kings who traveled far over field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. In the 6th century, the church named the three, Melchior, Balthazar, and Gaspar, or Casper, depending. There, there's some, I found out this week, there's some speculation, or there's some, uh, uh, Jonah says Casper. There's some disagreement on uh, whether it would be with a G or a C. 
All of this may be true about these three or however many there were, but you may have noted none of that is substantiated within Scripture. It makes no mention of them being kings. It doesn't bother to count how many may have been in that band of people who came. However, the Bible does strongly suggest that their visit probably occurred one to two years after the birth of Jesus. They were magi. We do know that. Good and holy folks, skilled in philosophy and medicine and natural sciences, kind of maybe the philosophers in the Far East of their day. They were folk who searched after truth. And rather than go to Google, they looked up at the stars for indications of messages from the divine. They were Gentiles, likely who came from Persia or even modern-day Iraq, searching for a Jewish king. Folk who were no doubt, committed to a Gentile foreign religion who came searching for the Messiah. Regardless of their exact identities or even how many of them there were, there are a few things we can conclude. They were committed people. Committed to finding the one that the star announced. In the heat of the day, the chill of the night, they traveled on, knowing that they were leaving their land, realizing that they were entering the land of Israel, and eventually even Jerusalem, committed to seek the Messiah. It's very unlikely they knew the Torah, It's unlikely that they were familiar with the prophecies found in the Old Testament. It's unlikely that they could recite the Ten Commandments, but they were just folk who were hungry. Hungry for God's revelation to the world. So they came seeking and longing to discover Christ for themselves. As the old saying goes, wise men and women still seek him. The second thought I'd like us to take away this morning is just this. They knelt seeing. They came seeking, and then they knelt seeing. Matthew's account indicates upon arriving at the house, so we don't think he was technically still in the manger. We think that he was in some home in Bethlehem, Jesus Upon arriving, they saw the child to which the star had led them. Imagine, if you will, just for a moment, the encounter. They see young Mary and the child. And then they do this crazy thing of bowing down and worshiping a toddler. (laughs) Knowing that even in the frailty of a toddler with their chubby knees and uncoordinated wobble, drool, (laughs) seemingly constantly running down their chin, they recognized that this one, this one deserved to be worshipped.
there would be many questions that we could ask. What would make them so certain, so bold? What is the persistence that helped them travel so far? Did they fully even understand? We don't know. But we do know their response upon seeing Jesus was to worship. Just a thought or two about the act of worship. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. Feed the mind with the truth of God. Purge the imagination by the beauty of God. Open your heart to the love of God and devote the will to the purpose of God. Worship is not a hurried visit to the window of a fast food restaurant for a moral sandwich and a cup of spiritual stimulants. Worship is communion, time spent, listening to and talking with God. To worship is to admire, to adore, to respect and revere. It has more to do with substance and style, more to do with God than gimmick, more to do with presence than preference. You know, I hear people often say, and I, 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 can, I can appreciate it to some degree of time that I have spent outside. Kind of the, under, the undertone of the message is, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need to come sit in some sanctuary and sit on a pew in order to, to worship God. I, I, can, I can worship God just about anywhere and I think that that's true, and I think that we need to be worshiping God during the week. But I think that there's something about it, and I know your presence here this morning confirms that you uh, see it the same way. There's something about time set aside. Where we abandon the usual routine of our life, we come to a specific location designed even in the way that the uh, furniture is arranged and the various things on the wall designed to turn our minds and our hearts to worship. Designed for just 50 or 60 minutes to turn off the distractions and think about who God is. What better use of our time? What better reminder of an opportunity that we have to emulate the example of the Magi, to worship the one who has come? At its heart, worshiping is simply realizing whose presence we are in. And then, and then, Worship usually ends up with the realization that the one that we seek, the one whom the wise men sought for years and over hundreds of miles and difficult nights and long days, that the one that we seek is actually the whole time seeking us. That the one that we think we are looking for is the one who has come to us. 
as we began this new year? What other response might we have than falling on our knees as the Magi did? Our message this morning is simply an invitation by the Lord to find us as we truly find Him. Oh God, may we recommit ourselves this year as 2022 opens, as we will already this week reach the midpoint of the first month. May we recommit ourselves to being folk who worship you. Faithful in public worship, as it were, and also faithful in our private worship and devotion to you. Thank you for the great gift of the Lord Jesus. May we give in response our whole lives to him. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.